the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast. We're the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And in today's episode, we have got a Wayans-inspired episode. We are going to be breaking down the 1988 film Earth Girls Are Easy, which Damon Wayans appeared in, and we are going to review the early 90s show In Living Color, and then do our own fan casting of the movie Earth Girls Are Easy using actors of today. John, have you seen much of any of these shows before? Yeah, I, I remember seeing Earth Girls Are Easy probably when I was in high school. Okay. So well after it had come out, but I definitely remember seeing it probably on like some movie of the week or something like that. And then I remember we watched In Living Color probably every, like we watched all the new episodes when they came out. I definitely remember In Living Color much more than Earth Girls Are Easy. I did watch it, actually, similar to you, wasn't when it came out. I was like two or three when Earth Girls Are Easy came out. Right. But I definitely watched it. Maybe it was on Comedy Central or something like that, you know, back in the day right. when it came on TV. And for some reason, I just kind of like stuck to me. Uh, and I mean, it is a very cult kind of film. It is not like a big blockbuster. It is not a very super popular film. Like we've done a lot of like very poppy kind of films. Right. Uh, This one is much more cult kind of esque. But yeah, kind of with you. Yeah. In Living Color is one that we watched pretty damn frequently. uh, And I'm very happy to, you know, be getting into it and kind of talking and discussing it because, you know, it's one of the great sketch comedy shows out there. Yeah, I agree. As I mentioned, you know, this was a kind of weigh-ins episode because Damon Wayans was in Earth Girls Are Easy and Keenan Ivory Wayans and Damon Wayans and multiple Wayans were in In Living <laughs> Color if people didn't realize that. So um, I'm, I'm excited for this. Honestly, we could probably have like three or four different just Wayans episodes right. that, that were just fully on Wayans movie plus Wayans show, uh, which maybe we will because honestly, that family is stupidly talented when it comes to comedic shit. So well, I guess let's just go ahead and start getting into stuff. But before we do that, John, you got to tell us what happened in 1988. So the movie came out May 12th, 1988. The Billboard Top 100 single of that week was a song called Wishing Well by Terrence Trent Darby. Wish me love for wishing well, to kiss and tell. Oh, wishing well, a bird for latte. I have no memory of this song whatsoever. I actually went back and watched the music video, and seeing a picture of him and hearing the voice was sort of weird because he does not sound like he looked like at the time. He looks much younger than he actually sounds. Yeah, you are 100% right on Everything you just said. I, I don't remember the song one little bit. And just checking it out real quick, you're right. He does not sound the way he looks. I mean, he looks like he came straight out of Millie Vanilli. Like, he has that look. Like, that was that time 100%. But, like, the voice just doesn't really match. I mean, I honestly, I like the song. And I even, like, like the look. It was very, very, you know, late 80s kind of everything about it. But just the two of them together, I feel like my brain's kind of... Kind of not working. 
I'm stroking out a little bit on that. Uh, you know, it's like, that's not what he should sound like. That's not how this song should go, listening to him. Like, I feel like it should be <laughs> a Milli Vanilli thing or something else. But, yeah. No, it's not bad. It's just, uh, it's you know, it's it's just blowing my mind. Uh, 1988 was also the actual first introduction of the character Jason Bourne on television. Huh. Uh, there was a made-for-TV movie in 1988 starring Richard Chamberlain that was based on the Bourne identity, actually using the same name. Wow, I had no idea that, you know, anywhere in media, Jason Bourne was before uh, Matt Damon started playing that character. it was a book series. Well, I knew it was a book series, but I meant like in, you know, in in video media. Right. Uh, But I I just didn't realize that anybody had like jumped into that. So that's cool. Yeah. All right. I think it was just like a, I think it was a two-part miniseries or something like that. Okay. 1988, Adam, is uh, an important time in DC Comics because it was the voted death of Jason Todd, also known as Robin, <laughs> yeah. in the uh, the their series, The Death in the Family, which I actually recently read and really loved. Yeah, I mean, I I've actually haven't read that series. I need to, but that is, you know, honestly, it's kind of fucked up when you really think about it. That yeah. that uh, you know, America voted or the world, whoever, whatever, voted. And they decided, yeah, we don't really like this Robin. It just fucking kill him off. And so the Joker did. Of course, he ended up coming back way, way later as the Red Hood. And like, you know, really good storylines um, down that down the road with that later. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a fucked up thing that <laughs> that that America decided to kill off a character. Apparently, the difference uh, in votes was only seventy two votes. Oh shit! Uh, and but apparently, and I don't know. I think it was like a call in. Thing you had to call a number or something mm. like that. It said that uh, one person was suspecting of casting 320 times. He <laughs> <laughs> really did not like Robin. Yeah, yeah, did not like Jason Todd's Robin. Uh, I, can't, I think maybe Tim Drake was the Robin after him. It was. Yeah, okay, and Tim Drake was a fantastic Robin. Yeah. He lasted for a good while. Yeah, a little bit more, I thought, upbeat. Because Jason Todd was very brooding and, you know, mm-hmm. angsty. And then Tim Drake was just sort of very like he wanted to be a superhero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, but I mean they got they got great storylines from all of them. That's, yeah, that's cool. Very cool. So also on the on the TV show The Golden Girls, we watched a particular episode where what was the old what was the mother's name? Uh, that was Estelle Getty. Um, I don't I don't remember her character's name, and I apologize. It wasn't Stella or anything, was it? I don't think so. Okay. Anyway, she gets married, and there's a whole bunch of Elvises in it because they get married in a chapel. One of those Elvis, if you in the background, if you look very closely, is Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say something like Nick Cage because you know I've seen him as like Elvis before, and I could see that Quentin Tarantino. That's a creepy, gangly, uh, like horror esque uh, Elvis. That, he's in. He's in the. He's in the back. So I I looked at the clip, mm-hmm. and you can. There's about four or five of them, and he's kind of in the back, but you can clearly see that it's him. Okay. So. Anyway, All right, well, cool. <laughs> as a, I tried to pour a little bit more, you know, pop culture stuff out of this one, but that was 1988. Awesome. All right. Well, that sounds like a fantastic year. Uh, and before we get going into Earth Girls Are Easy, uh, this episode has a legitimate sponsor, not a fake sponsor like we do <laughs> later in the episodes. This has a real sponsor. And the sponsor of this episode is Brian Lake. Brian Lake is a buddy of mine and 
honestly, there's a little story behind this, <laughs> and I'm just going to fucking talk about it. Uh, me and a couple other buddies were all just hanging out, and we were talking about you know our podcast and whatnot, and uh, Jody Sellers, who has been a sponsor on multiple episodes with mm-hmm. his law firm, uh, fantastic law firm, the best law firm in all of Georgia, <laughs> but he didn't give us money to say that this time. I'm just saying that to everybody. Uh, Brian Lake was with us, and he was like, wait a minute, Adam, if I just give you money... You'll say whatever the fuck I want. And I'm like, yeah, man, <laughs> that's how capitalism works. <laughs> so he was like, all right, here's some fucking money. You, I'm going to sponsor this episode. And he decided he wanted an episode to be all about masturbation. If you will. <laughs> um, my friends, and particularly this set of my friends, <laughs> we are... Degenerates? Yeah. Yeah. We're, what did you say? Degenerates? Yeah. yeah. We're definitely not the classiest group of guys. Uh, we are the kind of guys who it's all dick and fart jokes. Most of us played rugby together and that's you know how we became friends. And rugby is not for the intelligent people. I mean, we're, we're all intelligent, but really we're also just we're just dumb fucks. And, and we are that kind of group of, of friends. And so he wants basically me to, me to make a masturbation joke on air uh, for this episode. And I said, you know what? Give me your money and, <laughs> and I'll say whatever you say. So this is what I'm going to do. <clears throat> Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast. We are the podcast that gives you full on nudity and nostalgia and everything you wanted from your masturbation days when you were younger. We are going to dive in deep, deep and hard into everything that you loved when you were a kid. Think about those magazines you had under your mattress. Think about that scrambled porn. It's all about the nostalgia of scrambled porn when you're watching it. And that baby is all about our podcast blasts from our past. Did you get that John Blasses in uh, ejaculation? Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> so when our podcast gets forced off the air, I now know who to kill. <laughs> yes. Brian Lake. That's correct. Not me for actually saying anything. It's Brian Lake. <laughs> yes, yeah, not you for accepting the money and saying you'll do it. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. It's him. Okay. Blame him for everything. Everything I've done bad in my life, it's Brian Lake's fault. <laughs> so. Noted. All right. Okay, Brian, I hope you appreciated that. And if anybody else wants to give me and John money for saying dumb shit on our podcast, please do, because we're up for it. (laughs) All right. Well, with that bit of business being done, let's move on to Earth Girls Are Easy. Please, God, yes. Sorry to make you wait again, but I've got one more announcement before we get into Earth Girls Are Easy. Our podcast network is growing, and we are super excited about it. The guys at Friday Five Podcast have now joined the BFOP Network. That's the Blast From Our Past Network, and we're super excited about it. We are up to four different podcasts, all nostalgia-based, and Friday Five is a fantastic show where they talk about all things old-school nostalgia, and we really hope you guys check them out. We hope you check out all of our BFOP Network podcasts, which include this one, Cartwright, Podcasting After Dark, and now, Friday Five. And while I'm dishing out announcements, I just wanted to let y'all know we have started Patreon-exclusive content. I'm super excited about that. Our first content should be out already, 
It is a bloopers episode from our second year in production. I think it's freaking hilarious. If you listen to our first year of bloopers, it's all that and a bag of chips, but it's only exclusive to our patrons on Patreon. If you guys want access to it, please join us at the appropriate level or above. And we are going to continue giving Patreon exclusive content each month. We're going to be doing different types. This one is just a bloopers episode this time, but I think we're going to start maybe a nostalgia based trivia podcast that is on our Patreon exclusive page, something like that. We might make it up, uh, but we're really excited about giving more content to the people who have helped support us so we can use those funds to help spread the word uh, and to get more marketing for our content out there. So thank you, everybody. Just wanted you to know about that. So check out our Patreon, which is patreon.com backslash or forward slash, whichever one of the slashes it is, Blast Bash Cast, and uh, take a look at the tiers. Hopefully one of them is right for you. So now Earth Girls are easy. Earth Girls Are Easy from 1988. This movie was directed by Julian Temple. Uh, He's mostly known as a documentary and music video director. Uh, And I'm going to go through a couple music videos that he has directed. One that you have 100% seen, maybe a couple you've 100% seen, but some songs I would would bet that you've heard of all of these songs before. So he's directed music videos for the Sex Pistols, their song God Save the Queen, uh, for Neil Young, multiple songs, but the the main ones I've seen are Hey Hey My My and Rockin' in the Free World. Uh, For the 80s, a swing band Stray Cats, he directed the music videos for Rock This Town and Stray Cat Strut. The Culture Club, Do You Really Want to Hurt Me? (laughs) <laughs> That's a pretty good music video. Uh, the music video I know for sure you've seen, Dexie's Midnight Runners, Come On Eileen. Oh, yeah. He directed their music video, as well as Tom Petty's Free Fallen and Learning to Fly. And then uh, Brian Adams' Everything I Do, I Do It For You, as well as like tons of other music videos. But those are some of the ones that stood out to me um, as songs that I that I knew. So a uh, big time music video director, which actually kind of makes sense for this film as there's a lot of music that's incorporated into this film. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think that actually kind of really works. Music for Earth Girls Are Easy was composed by Niles Rogers, who he is a legendary producer and writer in the music industry. Mm -hmm. He uh, also composed music for Coming to America, just a little side bit, which is a Mm -hmm. fantastic film that we both love. Um, But he is the co-founder of the band Chic, which we all know for that song, La Freak. That song is just stupid and fun, and very disco. But I, I, I'm a, I'm, I remember having the 45 of La Freak and listening to it pretty damn often and being very happy with it. This isn't really new information, but I always think it's a funny story uh, when he talks about how they wrote this song. Is him and the uh, the other kind of songwriter in that band were trying to get into a club and the club wouldn't let them in, and so they went back to their hotel room and wrote a song that went, "Aw, fuck off," <laughs> and then it turned into "Freak Out." That's cool. Uh, that's that's very cool. Uh, Niles Rogers, this guy is fucking killer. You know, he also wrote some amazing songs. Uh, he wrote "We Are Family" by Sister Sledge. He wrote "I'm Coming Out" by Diana Ross, and also he produced the albums "Let's Dance" by David Bowie, "Original Sin" by In Excess, "Reflex," and "Notorious." 
by Duran Duran and Like a Virgin by Madonna. Um, and then he later went on to work with artists like the B-52s, Jeff Beck, Mick Jagger, the Vaughn Brothers, Christina Aguilera, Lady Gaga, and Daft Punk, mm-hmm. which that album, Random Access Memories, which I think everybody knows is pretty much, this is that is the best album by Daft Punk. Uh, it ended up winning like three Grammys. That guy, talk about versatility. I just mentioned like tons of different artists in totally different types of music. Mm-hmm. Niles Rogers, who's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, who's won multiple Grammys himself. Uh, you know, this guy knows music. Yeah. So I think that's that's pretty damn cool. Yep. And also the plot of this film uh, was based on the song Earth Girls Are Easy from Julie Brown's 1984 mini album Goddess in Progress. I was new- That song does show up, but I believe it's not her version. It's a different version that mm-hmm. uh, is sung in this movie. But Julie Brown does appear in the song in this movie as well. So, uh, but yeah, that's cool. So an entire movie based off of this one song. Uh, so she also has a writing credit on this movie. Yeah, I assume that's probably because it was based off of the music video or the the song. Okay, basically kind of like you know like a story by or whatever based off of. Yeah, if you get like a based off of, you know, you typically do get a writing credit. So I, that's why I think she got that credit. Okay. So. All right, this movie stars Gina Davis as Valerie, Jeff Goldblum as Mac, Jim Carrey as Whiplock, Damon Wayans as Zebo, Julie Brown as Candy Pink, and uh, Michael McKeon as Woody, who is our pool boy. Yeah, I just I like Michael McKeon. He, he's not a really big part, but you know he's fantastic. Yeah, I, I just love him in general. Also, like you know, this is this movie is like four years after Spinal Tap, and part of me is like Michael McKeon. What are you doing in this movie? Like you're, I feel like you're bigger than this movie. But granted, maybe he's not bigger than this movie. Spinal Tap really probably didn't become a huge hit until much later in like you know VHS and DVD release, where people like watched it more and more and realized how fucking genius it is. So right, I just I like seeing Michael McKeon and and everything. Yeah. So to get the film going, we start off in space. We see a little ship. You know, we kind of have like you know cheap, very B movie animation going on with the space and this in the spaceship. Mm-hmm fine for me it kind of it fits with the style of the film so it doesn't bother me uh we see a blue furry alien asleep we see a yellow alien and a red alien you know they're having spaceship troubles at least we think they're having spaceship troubles but really they're just you know having trouble uh getting their sexy hologram (laughs) to work uh because uh zebo and whiplock are apparently very horny uh they've been traveling through space and they just miss women and so they're trying to get this hologram to work and so they get the hologram going and a song starts which is earth girls are easy Uh, and we see the animated title card, which I like the animated title card. You know, it, it's it's mm-hmm. it's good. It fits really well with the B-movie, cult movie type of film that this is. And then after that, we move into a 
Los Angeles suburban neighborhood, which is up in the valley, which is where exactly where I lived for many, many years or well, like five, six years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I know that area very well, which does come into play as I watched this film. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we see Valerie. Uh, played by Gina, Gina Davis, is sleeping, and her fiancé wakes up, uh, and that fiancé, Ted, is played by Charles Rocket. Um, he is a funny guy. He actually was on SNL uh, back in 1980, 1981. Oh. He's done uh, yeah, multiple different things. He, I feel like you've seen him in multiple stuff, but he's kind of one of those names you don't recognize, but he usually plays plays like a douche character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and guess what? He plays a douche character <laughs> in, in this film, too, so... And we kind of see that obviously pretty quickly that he's, you know, establishing himself as the douche. Also, we see that Valerie and this Ted character, you know, they're they're not having, you know, good sexy time going on. <laughs> they're fiancés, uh, but they're having, you know, uh, relationship troubles, right. I'll say. Uh, we also kind of just see that Gina Davis is, uh, you know, she's kind of obviously an idiot. She's definitely, she plays up the valley girl vibe pretty heavily yeah yes (laughs) and that's kind of like a theme throughout this entire movie this is very much a valley girl movie or at least a valley like that kind of dumb comedy humor movie Mm -hmm. so we then see that valerie is going to work at a salon which the salon is called curl up and die uh which do you remember the last time we talked about a salon called curl up and die oh no yeah, this is not the first time we've had a salon called Curl Up and Die in our podcast. Really? <laughs> way back. Yeah, yeah. this is not unique to Earth Girls Are Easy. Way, way back in, I think it was our episode three or four, whenever it was, of the Blues Brothers, Carrie Fisher's character had a salon also called Curl Up and Die. And I thought that was incredibly uh, just interesting to me. I was like, okay, I guess is every salon have to be the pun of curl up and die? Uh, but yeah, I just, I saw that and I immediately thought of, wait a minute, <laughs> that was Carrie Fisher's uh, salon when she was in that movie. So eh, well, whatever. Looking, I mean, it's hard to tell because I'm just I just kind of looked up the name. There are real salons called Curl Up and Die. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, they, maybe they, they probably all got, I stole that from movies. maybe that. Well, it's hard to know if they took it from a film. Or mm-hmm. if that was that's been an existing thing, you know, yeah. since the since 1980 or before. True. Yeah. Exactly. Since Blues Brothers 1980. So I don't know, but uh, still kind of funny. I, I I still think the pun works. Okay. It's a damn good Agreed. good pun of a of a salon movie. So you know, at the salon, we kind of we further see that things aren't going well for the relationship. Um, just basically, there is no sexy time happening between Valerie and Ted. And I do want to say, Ted, even though he's like a doctor, mm-hmm. the fact that he is not interested in sexy time with Gina Davis, <laughs> what a fucking idiot. Well, what a moron. Well, you you get the, the hint when he first comes in that he's probably up to no good. He's got a hickey on his neck. Uh-huh. And he's... He's trying to use makeup to kind of disguise it, and then I think I think he just kind of is. Uh, he's already tuckered out. I guess so, but I just want to say, <laughs> Gina Davis is absolutely smoking. She looks pretty. She looks awfully stunning in this movie. I, w- I won't disagree with that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I remember. Uh, I think this was, this was the same year as Beetlejuice as well. But in Beetlejuice, she was covered by that hideous dress. Right. <laughs> It's a god awful yeah. dress. She could be a model, like a one hundred percent. If she didn't want to go into acting, she could have been like a supermodel. She has that body. She has that look. She has that height. Mm-hmm. She is absolutely stunning. To think that you know your fiance is Gina Davis and you are looking elsewhere, I just I want to punch him right in the gonads. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that guy. Anyway, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> 
<laughs> but all right. So they're having relationship troubles. Then, uh, you know, because of all that, we meet Julie Brown at the salon, whose character is Candy Pink, uh, and she wants to give Valerie a makeover to kind of spice things up in the bedroom. Uh, and we get a whole little makeup, a makeover song going on at the salon. It's time to face the music. It's time to make you see. The root of all your problems is that you don't look like me. Now this is gonna hurt you, but I just gotta say, you're not lost going nowhere cause you look like Doris Day. Who's the one that can't resist a brand new girl? Who's on the most wanted list a brand new girl? Honey, if you fix him eyes, guaranteed he'll get a rise. Believe that you can be a brand new, brand new. I will say I kind of forgot that this movie had so many musical elements to it. I did too. It's funny what we forget. Or we talked about in a few movie episodes ago about Rockadoodle and that I completely forgot that it had a live action element to it. But I totally saw Rockadoodle when I was younger. I mean, I've saw we've both seen Earth Girls Are Easy on TV when we were younger, but we forgot the musical elements to yeah. it. Like it's just it's just kind of funny what you, what you remember and what you don't remember. I will say that's probably what helped me remember why I liked it as a kid, uh, because I'm a fan of that type of film. I'm a fan of that kind of B movie musical. Mm-hmm. Like I love Rocky Horror Picture Show. Mm-hmm. I love Little Shop of Horrors. I love like those kind of things like that. They're not great films. They're not great, like beautifully done stories or anything like that. But fuck, they're just fun to watch. They're fun to sing along to. There's a cult aspect to them and they're just amazing. And so Earth Girls Are Easy tries to, you know, have a very similar vibe, Um, even though I kind of forgot about it. You know, listening to these songs and like having that kind of bit of aspect to it. I'm kind of happy. It kind of makes me happy just having those musical parts and i and i like musicals Mm -hmm. i don't are you a big musical guy not really Mm -hmm. i can appreciate them and tolerate them for what they are but i don't usually go out of my way to watch one which i find interesting i mean you are you know a trained musician you went to school for it you teach it i'm not at all i forgot everything about music since i stopped you know taking it in high school but i i seem to be much more of like the musicals guy or you know i'll go to musical shows or whatnot a little bit more than you which i just i just find that interesting i mean i've seen musicals i saw i saw wicked on broadway and um i've seen the i'm not saying you won't see them and you don't have appreciation for them but you know i will seek them out a little bit more than you right uh even though you are the music guy which i just you know that's it nothing crazy okay not calling you out just saying (laughs) okay uh, with all, you know, after all of the montage said and done, uh, she's now a blonde. Yay, because blondes have more fun, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. We cut to her home and we see Valerie really all dolled up. Right. Almost doing like a role play kind of thing. <laughs> like she's she's like practicing up, facing the camera, looking into the lens, like practicing for when Ted comes home. Right. You know, she's got her little lingerie on and her blonde hair uh look going on but and it's all silly and to me it all works it all is very campy it all is very just b movie yeah yeah she wants to seduce him hard (laughs) and at the same time we also kind of just see that she's she's a bit of a klutz right at the same time she is still she's even though she's not like legitimately a blonde she is still a bit of that that valley blonde type right but ted comes home and what a complete (laughs) just douche idiot i don't even like holy shit 
this guy brings home another girl. It's a nurse that he was working with, which we can assume is the one who was giving him that hickey earlier. So he lives with Valerie. Right. But like he didn't think she was going to be home. I don't know why he didn't think she was going to be home. They gave us no pretext as to maybe she was supposed to be somewhere and then canceled her plans. Yeah. She just was home as we normally would have thought. (laughs) And then he's like, oh, yeah, she probably won't be home. We'll be fine. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, when he comes home with this other girl, he's like, oh, Valerie, I I didn't know you would be home. And it's like, wait a minute. Why would you think? Why would you think she's not home? But yeah, but that's really the filmmaking's issues because we weren't told any of it. So, yeah, I mean, this is a movie that has some plot holes, you know, has some writing holes. (laughs) And that's for sure. So but it's not about that. It's really not. Um, But I do love how he kind of gets caught. Uh, You know, he comes out Valerie at first Valerie you know, finds the other girl and he, she thinks that she's just you know, some, you know, random friend or whatever. She doesn't think foul play. And then out pops Ted and he says, here comes Dr. Love. (laughs) Creepy. It's funny. (laughs) It's really dumb. So Valerie figures out what the hell's going on and she throws out Ted. And we also see some kind of very nosy neighbors, you know, that they're kind of like, they, they see what's going on, that Ted's getting thrown out. My only issue with the nosy neighbors, you know, that they kind of make it a big deal that we notice, that they notice right. uh, what's going on here. They also end up noticing the aliens and whatnot, especially this one with kind of like a beehive hairdo. My only semi-issue, there's nothing plot-wise happens right. with those nosy neighbors. Nothing resolves there. Exactly. Like they don't call the cops or they don't like they really don't move the plot forward one bit. So like honestly, them being introduced as characters doesn't mean shit. Like that's just kind of like lame writing or lame filmmaking, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So because everything that's shown should it should move something forward. Right. Honestly, otherwise, just don't show it because that's not necessary. But whatever. Okay. (laughs) maybe that's the editor in me as well. Like just fucking cut it if it's not needed. (laughs) Right. But. So, you know, in her sadness, uh, Valerie has her own solo song that goes on. And it's, it's okay. It's, a, it's all about their relationship. Uh, and she kind of like ends up trashing the house. Like, burning his shit and throwing his shit away. Uh, we then cut to the space aliens who, again, very horny. <laughs> they they get these TV signals. They see these uh, kind of jazzercise girls. Uh, you know, they're talking about, oh, wow, these hairless ladies, you know, are, are attractive to them. Uh, and they use their telescopes and they end up seeing Valerie sunbathing out by her pool mm-hmm. in a battle to get a hold of the telescope. Whiplock and Zebo crash into different things in the you know in the spaceship, and the spaceship starts like uh, malfunctioning, and they head towards Earth. Uh, it also ends up waking up their captain Mac, uh, and the ship lands directly in Valerie's pool. How convenient! <laughs> and you know she kind of thinks it's a dream, so she starts swimming towards the ship, rams head first into it <laughs> to save her. Mac grabs her and pulls her into the ship. You know, she's obviously she eventually wakes up and kind of freaking out like, oh, my God, there's aliens here and whatnot. Oh, things were bad enough. Now I've been abducted by a UFO. Now, you guys, you're just going to do some little experiments on me and then um, let me go like in the National Enquirer. Right. 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 
Uh, and, you know, it's just kind of a funny back and forth, you know, they're being kind of creepy, repeating whatever she says, you know, it's just, it's just kind of like, you know, a, a generic person meets aliens, uh, you know, back and forth. Mm-hmm. They end up kind of all introducing themselves. She ends up still being a little bit freaked out and she kind of pulls this random lever, which releases all this water, which kind of further fucks up their ship. So they can't fix it right away. So they end up all leaving the ship they uh, go into the house and they're all just kind of like looking through her stuff doing some silly alien shit you know it's it's very much fish out of water type of things right where they're also pulling fish out of water and eating the fish <laughs> and shit like that and at one point they're kind of going through her kitchen and we get a little musical scene you know there's a lot of there's a multiple of these moments where they're not really bursting out into song but they're just kind of like doing random noises that end up making musical beats And I, I kind of like it. Yeah. Personally. We see Woody, uh, who is the pool guy, played by Mike McKeon. He comes over to drain the pool because uh, Valerie called him just a bit earlier. Uh, we also see that the aliens are watching TV. And we kind of just assume that they're learning the English language and just kind of like learning about culture very quickly through the TV. Ted ends up calling and... Valerie realizes that, you know, she needs to make these guys look normal because Ted is going to come over. He, you know, she was out with the pool guy. And so he left a message uh, and he's going to come back home later. And so she's like, oh, shit, you know, we got to get these aliens and everything looking normal. Mm -hmm. And so she ends up taking them to the salon and she ends up showing them to candy. But one thing that bothered me Mm -hmm. as an editor slash slash as an editor, you also realize continuity mistakes in movies because like you know you want to try and keep continuity going up until this point gina davis you know she had just been in the pool the scene before Mm -hmm. she swam in there she she got one she had very long straight hair because of she was she was in the pool she takes the aliens to the salon when she's at the salon she has a perfectly permed haircut (laughs) i didn't notice now you didn't now if there's one thing i know you know, if you have a perm and then you go into a pool and you're swimming around, it fucks up the perm. You cannot go straight back and dry your hair and your hair is perfectly permed again. You learned that. That's not how it works, John. You learned that from Legally Blonde, didn't you? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Whatever it is, it's in my head somewhere. <laughs> she goes back and like her. So that means Valerie stopped by a different salon, <laughs> not the one that she worked at, got her hair repermed. In the same day, just so she could take the aliens over to the other salon to get them looking more human, which I just thought was really fucking weird. Didn't make sense. Okay. Now, obviously, that did not bother you as much as it bothered me. Yes, agreed. Okay, <laughs> fine. At the salon, Candy does her magic very quickly, uh, and we see that the aliens have become a lot more human looking. They're no longer kind of covered in hair and different colors. Uh, we see that, you know, Whiplock comes out and he looks, you know, it's it's Jim Carrey. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see Zebo comes out. That's Damon Wayans. And then Mac comes out and Mac comes out looking, you know, I mean, it, it kind of reminded me of The Fly very right. much and it probably meant, meant to be. But like Jeff Goldblum comes out and like, <laughs> it's just obviously the way he shot, you know, we're all meant to think that Goldblum is just this fucking golden god of Hollywood that he... <laughs> He's like the the best looking dude that ever has been or ever will be. I was thinking about this. 
I mean, I forgot that in his heyday, Goldblum was not a bad-looking guy. I mean, he was. Oh no, he's no, no. He's, he was, I mean, he's yeah. like it reminded me of a Marvel movie because all of a sudden here comes a shirtless dude with just ripped muscles. Yeah, I mean, he's not like super ripped. He doesn't have like a six-pack or anything, but he's got he's got good definition, yeah. you know, mostly, and he looks solid. I mean, it's very pretty similar to his look in Jurassic Park. You know, when he's you know Malcolm. <laughs> Uh, Ian Malcolm's like laying on the bed across, you know, with his shirt undone. And you're just like, wait a minute, you shouldn't be looking this good, but you are. But yeah, it's a very similar thing. And he was definitely a sex symbol in the 80s right. and early 90s. So I get it. I get it. And you know what? I think he's pretty sexy. <laughs> They're all looking very good. Candy Pink, uh, she wants to go out and party. You know, instead of uh, doing other normal stuff that they should, she suggests that they go out and party. And so they do. It's like, oh, okay. What do you do when three aliens crash into your pool? You take them to a club. Yes, yes, you do. We get it. We get that funny line from Candy where she says, "You know, you guys are so lucky you crashed in the valley. I mean, it's the baddest place on earth." What I find funny <laughs> is that they're kind of driving around, and I know Los Angeles. You know Los Angeles. You know you've been there multiple times. Mm-hmm. I lived there for for multiple years. She talks about them landing in the valley. All the places that like they're seen going and driving by aren't in the valley. <laughs> Johnny's Coffee Shop, which is off Wilshire Boulevard, which is nowhere near the valley. That's <laughs> uh, much more south. Like that's 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 K Town and, and uh, everywhere down on the on the uh, regular Hollywood area. They end up going to the nightclub. And did you realize what the nightclub building was that they were at? No. That was the Griffith Park Observatory. Oh. I'm, I know you've been there before. Yeah, I've I'm been pretty there. sure I went there with you and uh, your kids. It's a legitimate observatory. Right. It, you know, it, there's a lot of good smart science stuff, but like they turned the outside of it into like a... <laughs> A bullshit (laughs) nightclub, which I just thought was hilarious because the observatory is nothing like a nightclub. You know, it's it's a fucking you know museum and science center. But I have to say that I just thought that that building must make bank off the uh, amount of times people use that in movies. Oh yeah, oh they use it all. I've seen it in Transformers. I've seen it in uh, there was a James Dean movie they used it. Like it's been in a lot of films. I see it all the time. Yeah, (laughs) and then this time it's a nightclub. So. (laughs) Good for it. Uh, We get into the nightclub, and there's a song playing in the nightclub, which is just awful. It had to be done by Julie Brown, I think. But it was, it was just like, okay, interesting. And, you know, so we're just kind of like going on in the club, just kind of getting settled in there. And we kind of meet these other girls who are there. One of them is just kind of like, what's her problem? You know, why she's so kind of like, you know, having issues or whatever. Right. And I'm going to complain here for a moment because Candy tells her that, oh, my God, Valerie hasn't had sex in two weeks. Oh, my God. Seriously? Two weeks? Whoa. I just, I'm just going to bitch right here for a minute. Okay. Like, okay. Is that really the worst thing in the world? <laughs> is have, have these people never been single and without a sexual interaction in over two weeks? Because, uh, you know, it's been a lot longer than that for me before. <laughs> and, you know, it, it happens. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, okay. <laughs> All right. That's not the worst thing in the world. But apparently to these women... Two weeks without sex is um, equivalent to just needing suicide or something shit like that. So anyway, I just thought that was just like, okay, yeah, 
Okay. If John, if I had only ever gone two weeks without sex in my life every two weeks and that was it, God, I'd probably be the happiest man on earth. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. If I had a guaranteed sex every two weeks, I'd be the fucking happiest man on earth. Not saying now. Now things are fantastic. I'm just talking about when I was single. Uh Whatever. whatever. (laughs) Married life. (laughs) Hey-o. We're not going into that. Nope. Not touching that with a 10-foot pole. Okay. All right. So uh, at the dance club, we get a funny little dance-off scene between Zebo and this random guy. It's pretty funny, in my opinion. I do find it hilarious. Very B-movie that... I was, you know, I was looking at Damon Wayne's character most of the time and you could easily, and I'm saying easily pick out when it was Damon Wayans and it was like the stunt dance guy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you could see the, the stunt dance guy's face very clearly. It's like, wait a minute, this guy's much thinner and that is not Damon Wayans. He <laughs> 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 just had a very different kind of head shape. And I was just like, okay, that was funny. To end the dance move, Zebo does this very ultra alien spin going on and he ends up winning the dance off and he gets the girl or whatever. <laughs> There's a very kind of short little scene here where we get a very quick, cheesy kind of sexual humor joke where Whiplock slash Jim Carrey's character is drinking a drink and he sticks out a very long tongue to pull out some ice and these random girls are like, I'm going home with him. I'm going home with him. And then Candy Pink says, I'm going home with him. See, John, you get it because of the long tongue. Yeah, yeah. He can do that. <laughs> y- yeah, you get yes, it? Yes, I got it. You get it. <laughs> okay. Anyway, not too subtle, but I thought still funny. We see also in this scene at the club that there's sexual tension between Mac and Valerie. You know, they end up almost kissing, but you know they all ha- end up having to go, and so Mac pulls everybody for the cl- from the club uh, before things get a little too sexual. Mm-hmm. Whiplock and Zebo are you know getting very hyped up into all these females. I do love that their ears are just like flapping like crazy. Uh, that's obviously something that happens uh, you know in their species. I thought it was a cute little thing ted ends up going back to his house you know valerie ends up going there with the guys just good interaction between all of them ted ends up calling the police at one point uh, she tries to play off that they were a band at the end of it ted ends up getting kicked out by the police and really actually valerie's sad she's still hung up on ted you know she still loves him granted i get it you know they were in love and you know, she was going to marry this guy. Uh, and then, you know, he might have been unfaithful. And she's got this whole alien thing. She's dealing with a lot of shit right now, <laughs> yeah. John. Uh, and so I think it's almost too many emotions going, going on. So she's kind of sad that Ted has left right now. And because she's sad, Mac goes in to comfort her. Guess what? They end up fucking. <laughs> You're an alien and I'm from the valley. And uh, we may not even be, you know, anatomically correct for each other. That could be a real problem. No problem. But I mean, uh, no, no, no. I mean, I, it, it just wouldn't work. I mean, I, you're from out of town. The phone bills would just be hell. Like, shh, shh. Well, I, I just don't want you to think Earth girls are easy. With this, we get some kind of very weird scenes. Uh, we get a very dreamlike, I don't know, just weird song going on, mm-hmm. slash weird sex scene that happens. And then after that, Valerie has like this weird nightmare. She has this, she's watching like this Beauty and the Beast show. Mm-hmm. 
or some shit like that. Uh, and just, it turns into like this whole little like weird sci-fi thing, you know, where she's just dreaming about like, oh my God, she's just in a world with all aliens and it's very creepy, almost, you know, Twilight zone Um, But I think it's pretty understandable. She just had sex with an alien right. that she'd only met less than 24 hours ago. So, <laughs> so I think it's pretty valid. Did you notice that there's there's essentially no real nudity in the film? Except during the dream sequence. Yeah, yeah, you do. You, you do get some of that. You get some side boob, and you get some some boob in well, general. There, I mean, there's only well, there's only one actual like topless scene. There's a blue alien pumping iron off to the side in mm-hmm. one of them. Like she's up front, but not directly in the middle. So if you're not looking like at all the other stuff, it it it's really weird. It it was unnecessary, and I I, I doubt this movie was rated R. If I had to I don't guess. think so. I don't think this. I mean, it had to be a PG thirteen. It was movie. PG. That was PG. I mean, I think mostly that that's about right. Yeah. I mean, this movie this does have some good innuendo in this film. Right. Honestly, it probably should have been PG thirteen. If they were re ranking it now, oh, it probably definitely. would have been thirteen over PG. What I do like is in the morning after she realizes that she just had sex with an alien, she ends up popping like five birth control <laughs> pills. <laughs> <laughs> she's just like oh shit i do not want to have an alien baby then the pool you know has been fully drained and the guys start working on their ship and i do find it quite hilarious that uh jeff goldblum's ca- character has to work on the ship topless <laughs> you know he's not wearing a shirt <laughs> he's got his pants he just i feel like in his contract he has to appear without a shirt at some point in almost every movie that he's in uh, it's just it's just what he does in the 80s yes yeah in the 80s yes maybe not now <laughs> i mean <laughs> but back then I mean, could you imagine yeah. him having to be topless in thor ragnarok as the grandmaster the thing is <laughs> i kind of can <laughs> <laughs> honestly i kind of can and i think he could pull it off <laughs> okay but yeah it would be funny okay so uh the guys you know work on their ship and yay they fix their ship ted ends up calling and he wants valerie back uh she is out there with the pool guy uh and so she doesn't hear it at first but she ends up kind of coming in you know she she talks to mac who kind of recites what happened in it and honestly she's obviously she's still not over ted she still thinks there's something between them Woody ends up chatting with Zebo and Whiplock, and he's like, you know, fuck it, let's go heading to the beach. And so he takes them to Zuma Beach. So he's going from uh, the valley to Malibu, which honestly is probably one of the quicker beaches to go to uh, if you're up from the valley. So, And we immediately cut to the beach, and we get, in my opinion, the most memorable song from this entire film. We get the Blonde Girl song, which is performed by Julie Brown. This actually the weird thing is is that song was added in post production to fill in space where some other scenes had been deleted. Oh, okay, some stuff that they just didn't want or whatever it was. Yeah, I mean, 
Okay. I can see that just thinking about like how it's edited. It totally makes sense that they could add that in post. But I, I mean, immediately the second I saw Julie Brown in a wig looking at us, I was like, oh my fucking God, it's the blonde girl song. <laughs> and I was just like, I totally remember this. And I was happy. And honestly, that is a hilarious song in my opinion. Uh, it was surprisingly funny. I don't remember it, though. I didn't remember any of the musical numbers, including that one. Mm. Yeah, that for the, that was the only one that really kind of like was jolted in my mind. And it wasn't something that I would have pulled out before watching this. Mm-hmm. Only after kind of seeing it, I was like, oh, yeah, the, the blonde Dixie song. <laughs> and there's just so many blonde jokes in there and just dumb blonde everything. It's just, uh, I, I'm not going to lie. I fucking love that song. I think it is very good. Rewatching it just kind of like made me so happy. Okay. You know, after the beach and an entire misunderstanding, Zebo has like this water gun and they, they end up robbing a convenience store and they end up stealing Woody's car. They end up crashing into like this very, you know, hot blondes, pink Corvette at the gas station. Uh, and they, they get going with that all while we hear a B-52 song going on. Uh, and I want to say the B-52s fits perfectly in this yeah, film. Yeah, I agree. Like, you know, they're just, they're cheesy, uh, they're very 80s, and they're very, like, B-movie campy. And so I think having one of their songs in here just just fits. And, you know, at this time, uh, the cops end up arresting Woody and Mac instead of Whiplock and Zebo for some reason. Basically just because the hot blonde is dumb. <laughs> Whatever. Um, and I will want, I do want to point out, like, during Zebo and Whiplock's joyride, you know, they're driving all around, quote unquote, the valley. And they have to be in the valley at this point because Mac ran to the gas station. Right. And so they, they have to be kind of up in that area. But apparently during their entire joyride, they end up crashing their car in the middle of Randy's Donuts. Now, Randy's Donuts is down by the fucking airport. Oh. That is nowhere near the valley. <laughs> like, you have to drive at least 30 minutes with zero traffic to get down there. <laughs> That's not possible as in As in LA, there's no such thing as zero traffic. Yeah, and so they weren't going to have that kind of joy. I don't know. I just saw that, and I was just like, uh, yeah, that didn't happen that way. Very uh, film magic, if you will. So now, Mac and Valerie are in the back of the cop car, and honestly... I don't even remember how Valerie got in the back of the cop car. Whatever. I guess they were kind of being arrested. Oh, well, she she's they she comes in and they say, we won't arrest you. You haven't done anything wrong. Okay. And then so she goes, I forget what she she does. She does or she goes and gets something and then smashes the uh, the light on top of the cop car. Okay. That was okay. Thank you. I was probably taking notes when that <laughs> right. happened. And I just and I just missed it, and I just all, all of a sudden looked up, and I was like, "Wait a minute, why the fuck is she in the cop car?" So thank okay. you. <laughs> so, so they're in the cop car, and she wants Mac to perform this love touch on them, which she had seen him do on a cat before. Potentially, he did it on her earlier. So she has him do it on these cops to try and get out of it, and she's like, "Oh, I'll seduce them to get out of the car," which kind of works. It's it's just kind of humorous. They end up like falling in love with each other, mm-hmm. uh, and so they 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 take the cop car to uh, a hospital uh, because apparently they figure out that 
Zebo and Whiplock were taken to a hospital after uh, they crashed into the cop after crashed into Randy's Donuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, everything just fits perfectly because as a movie, Ted is their doctor because, you know, he's the doctor douche boyfriend. Right. And he's checking in on them and he notices that they have two heartbeats, you know, that they have a different anatomy than regular humans. And so he's like getting all worked up like, what the hell? I think I just figured out something. Valerie and Mac end up stealing a nurse and doctor's outfit. Uh, Funny enough, it's the same nurse that Dr. Ted had brought to her house before. Right. (laughs) And they end up tricking Ted, you know, making him think that he's all crazy. And we get a good little like musical set of sounds while they do this. Did you get the phone, doctor? What phone, doctor? Hello? Doctor, I'm afraid you must be hearing things. Very similar to the kitchen scene earlier, we just get all of these musical sounds that are like kind of going inside of Ted's head, kind of making him think he's crazy for hearing those two heartbeats. So that way they can kind of like, you know, get out of there. As Ted leaves the hospital, he sees Valerie and, you know, he wants to just go home. He's he's tired of all the madness that's going on. He kind of tells her, hey, I want to get married. And she seems down. You know, she, again, she's not over him yet. Now, granted, all of this has happened in under 24 <laughs> <Right>. hours. <laughs> so those feelings don't go away just that quickly. So I kind of understand, I guess, you know, why she still has those feelings. All while the aliens are hiding in the back of her car while they're driving back home. The problem here, Ted obviously shows off that he's still a fucking douche because he calls another doctor, a female doctor, to cover his shift. And it's apparently a different doctor that he had kind of already been messing around with. Yep. And he says, Barbara, look, j- just because I'm getting married doesn't mean we can't date, all right? And she's like, God damn it, Ted, you fucking douche. <laughs> oh, I hate you. The aliens are about to leave, and, you know, Valerie says her goodbyes. Ted ends up seeing them, and he's freaking out, uh, and they start fighting. Uh, and then Mac uses his love touch again, and so Valerie and Ted start, you know, kind of going at it. And so that way they can hide away and leave. But, John, this love touch, it didn't work. Valerie snaps out of it. Yeah. She realizes that she is not in love with Ted. She turns to Mac and says, I love you. Take me with you. I've known you for less than 24 (laughs) hours and you're an alien species. I want to go with you. You know, she hops on board. Candy Pink happens to come to the house (laughs) at that exact moment. and And she says her goodbyes and they leave. And as the ship flies into space the movie ends and the credits roll with a cover of love train that goes on and that's the end of our movie <laughs> i'd love to hear your thoughts uh but, you know we've we've both seen this movie before yeah but it's been a long time and i remember when i put this on our list to do you like legitimately like called me and was like adam why the fuck are we doing <laughs> earthquakes are easy <laughs> not like well because i wanted to uh so i i really want to hear what are your thoughts about this film after watching it again for after so many years well what i remember of watching it when i was a kid was thinking god this movie is kind of ridiculous it did not get better with a recent <laughs> Uh, It may have gotten worse. It was, I mean, it had some silly moments, but a lot of the humor was very 80s. I just didn't enjoy it as much this time as I maybe had in the past. I just did, I don't know. 
none of the humor spoke to me, so I didn't laugh as much. Um, I just kind of mm-hmm. found myself going, okay, let's get to the next scene. Um, I really wasn't into most of the musical numbers. In fact, I remember distinctly as I'm watching the movie, the only time I got happy when some music came on was me going, oh, that's the B-52s. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was just like non That was just like an extra song that was thrown in. That wasn't even a musical number. Right, exactly. So, uh, yeah. Okay. I, yeah, I, I don't have fun thoughts about this movie okay all right yeah this movie was it was fucking stupid (laughs) (laughs) like dear my fucking god this is fucking dumb fucking stupid movie but maybe it's the two whiskeys that i had while i was watching it (laughs) or maybe it's the whiskey that i'm drinking right now (laughs) (sighs) i honestly had a blast watching this film i do appreciate the B-movie piece of shit musical, the Rocky Horror, the Little Shop of Horrors, like that kind of stuff. I really like. I ordered this on Amazon DVD right. immediately after watching it. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, I have to have this movie. <laughs> wow. This is just, I had a blast. I really fucking, it's just fantastic. It was dumb. It's campy. It's not good. You, you, Yes, it is not a good movie. But if you have that kind of humor that you can appreciate this stuff, I think you will still like it. And I certainly did. And so I hope everybody else, you know, who who thinks they have that type of sense of humor can give it a shot. You know, it is not for everybody. Yeah. No, 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 right. no. And John, you're probably in the majority here where <laughs> most people will see it and they're like, Adam, what the fuck are you talking about? That's <laughs> not a good movie. But, you know, I'm also the kind of guy I went and I've seen the movie The Room, uh, which is a, you know, god awful film. I've seen that almost 20 times wow. in the theater where I just go and I say the lines and I like, you know, I do stupid shit like that because I love that kind of campiness. I love that kind of cult dumb shit. And I like the dumb cult movies. Okay. And this is a perfectly dumb cult movie. Obviously I had, a, <laughs> obviously I fucking like this movie. So yeah, I, uh, I'm happy. Baby. I still have never seen the room. Oh, God damn it. I'm got gotta take you. I <laughs> gotta take you. Anyway, that's that's my two cents on Little Shop of, or not Little Shop <laughs> of Horrors. God damn, those whiskeys are really hitting me good. <laughs> on, uh, on Earth Girls are easy, and uh, yeah, let's just let's just move on before right. I get too drunk to do anything else. Okay. All right, now we are talking in living color. Uh, this show aired from 1990 to 1994. It was on the Fox Network. This show was created by Keenan Ivory Wayans. Uh, he also wrote and starred in multiple of the sketches. Uh, yes, this is a sketch comedy program, um, and it really had a very black forward cast. It was the majority of a black cast, and it only had a few white actors in it or mm-hmm. characters in it. Uh, it was very much kind of meant to be the opposite of Saturday Night Live. Right. Uh, which Saturday Night Live was a very white centric, kind of a middle class kind of show where In Living Color was meant to hit a more diverse audience. You know, there are a lot of amazing black comedians out there. They just kind of weren't getting their due on SNL, even though I know multiple of that people who are on In Living Color also had tried out for SNL and didn't make it. Right. Um, including people like Jim Carrey. And I believe Damon Wayans as well. But, uh, you know, this show, uh, it was pretty controversial. 
at the beginning, mainly because uh, of the of Keenan Ivory Wayans' decision to portray black humor kind of from the more ghetto angle, as opposed to at the at the time, you know, in those early early '90s, black comedy was heavily influenced by the upscale show of the Cosby show. Mm-hmm. You know, you saw upper middle class black families and just seeing like, oh my God, you know, this is what black culture is, or at least on TV, where it's like, wait a minute, there's a whole other side of black culture. And in Living Color was like, no, no, we're going to show that. That's how they kind of pushed it. And that's, I think that's why it was a little bit more controversial. But in my opinion, it, I mean, obviously it's, it's really good to show all sides of all cultures. Right. But in Living Color had to be super influential because it was, you know, very popular, I think it pay, probably paved the way to some other shows that may not have been greenlit at the time. Things like, obviously, the, the Wayans Brothers shows, but things like Martin uh, or other shows, you know, that might show not everybody in the black community is that upper high echelon of uh, middle class, you know, that are, quote unquote, white friendly, like right. the Cosby show. Right. You know, there is that other option, uh, which we've seen before, you know, that's nothing new for TV. Some like Sanford and Sons or the Jeffersons, uh, you know, those were all pioneers, same kind of thing as well. But yeah, some of the major cast members of this show included, obviously, Keenan Ivory Wayans. Um, if you guys don't know him, he also wrote the movie White Chicks. Uh, he wrote a movie which I don't know if I've ever seen, but I really want to see it just because of the name. It's called I'm Gonna Get You Sucker." Oh, yeah. yeah. I've never seen it, but I've definitely heard about it. And he directed Scary Movie 1 and 2, which are the only movies we're seeing in the entire Scary Movie franchise. Right. Uh, those are the only good ones, and they both of them are quite good. Uh, but I also something that I didn't realize he did, he was a writer and producer on uh, the comedy special Eddie Murphy's Raw. Yeah, I, I actually remember kind of being in college and, and going through like a, a big comedy phase and going back, to, back and watching Raw and seeing his name and going, oh my God, I didn't realize that he had been, you know, associated with that. Which is damn impressive because that's, when you think about like all time comedy specials, Raw is, it's got to be in like people's, at least their top 10. Yeah. And it is, yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. So yeah, he, the guy knows comedy. Some other players, uh, obviously Damon Wayans, his brother, if you don't know Damon Wayans, we just talked about him in Earth Girls Are Easy. I remember him specifically most from Major Pain. Yeah. Uh, which I hope we get to eventually. It's not one that we need to rush out <laughs> and watch Major Pain, but it's one that I, I do hope we get to because it was pretty damn funny. Also, David Allen Greer, who has done tons of stuff. You know, I, maybe I remember him most from Jumanji. Yeah. Uh, you know, he played one of the characters on that. Yeah, I think he, he was the, he was the, the cop. cop. Yep. Um, but he's done uh, like a thousand different things, uh, just doing tons of funny parts, but just like nothing super massive. He had a show that kind of tanked called Chocolate News that I thought was pretty funny, but <laughs> it didn't go anywhere. Maybe the biggest name out of all of these, not even maybe, definitely the biggest name out of all of, well, no, no, no I don't want to say, I, I take that back. One of the biggest names, Jamie Foxx. Uh, J- <laughs> uh, Jamie Foxx, the dude is an amazing actor. He's won an Oscar uh, for Ray. He was great in Collateral, Django Unchained. And then I would say probably in another equally amazing and probably equally huge name is uh, Jim Carrey. Right. Was in In Living Color as well. You all know Jim Carrey. We'll probably end up doing a lot more of his movies with Dumb and Dumber and 
everything. The dude's fantastic. But like, yeah, I, I try to think like who is a bigger star between the two of them. Jimmy Fox has had some massive shit, uh, as, which obviously has as Jim Carrey. But so those are the two like big people that really came out of In Living Color. I don't know, Adam. There's another person who came out of In Living Color who might give them a run for their money. Uh, Takea Crystal K- Kame? No. Kama? Jennifer Lopez. Oh, yeah. Fair enough. One of the uh, original Fly Girls. Exactly. She was not a comedian on the show, not one of the cast members, but she was a Fly Girl, which one thing that was fantastic about this show uh, was that unlike, it had a very similar style to SNL, but they did a couple things different. I, I think they really took musical guests to another level. And then they also had a dance team. Mm-hmm. And their dance team was very famously called the Fly Girls. Right. And there were a couple of famous people that came from it. But yeah, Jennifer Lopez uh, was a huge name. And she was, you know, she became maybe the biggest name in Hollywood for a very brief period. Right. And is yeah. still, still an important name in music. Yeah, very true. Yeah, she, she was the she was at one point like, yeah. One of the biggest names in music and one of the biggest names in Hollywood or in acting at the same time. Right. Funny enough, or I don't know if you knew this, but the choreography of the Fly Girls, at least for maybe the first season or early on, was actually done by Rosie Perez. Really? Yeah, uh, one another actress. I thought you were going to say someone else. So an actress that you know, but she was yeah. a dancer as well. You've seen her dance on multiple films, um, some Spike Lee films and et cetera. But yeah, so she was a part of that Fly Girl team doing their choreography. So some other part of the cast was uh, Takea Crystal Kema Kima. Apologies for not pronouncing that probably at all correct. Um, she hasn't, she's done some things, but she's probably best known for a show that, Bill Cosby did again in like the late 90s. It was just called Cosby, but it was actually pretty popular. It ran for like 95 episodes or maybe more. I can't remember. And then it also starred Kelly Cofield, uh, who's done small things. Not much that I remember. And then multiple other people like, you know, or at least I would say multiple other Wayans, including <laughs> Kim Wayans, Sean May- Wayans and Marlon Wayans, who we saw Sean and Marlon on the, the Wayans Brothers, which is another show that I definitely watched. Maybe not you know, as it came out, but I watched it on UPN and syndication pretty frequently. I thought it was hilarious. Right. But there was one other of the main cast members I want to talk about, which is Tommy Davidson. And he was on the show for, for, I think, the entire run. Um, And he's done tons of small parts, but, you know, he's he's a funny guy. Have I ever told you my Tommy Davidson story? No. Okay. So while I was, uh, you know, living in Los Angeles area, me and my buddy Flippo were going to Fat Burger to eat some food, which Fat Burger is a fantastic burger chain. Uh, they have them, you know, multiple places across the U.S. And in my opinion, you know, when it comes to mostly fast food, uh, I call them mostly fast food because they're not really, they're not drive through I There's not very many, if any, drive through fat burgers, yeah. but they are fairly quick burger chain. I always liked Fat Burger better than In-N-Out. Like, okay. Uh, people adore In-N-Out. And eh, I think it's overrated. Yes. Yeah. It's good. It is a good fast food burger, but it's overrated. People freak out about it. And I think In-N-Out uses that to their advantage. And, you know, they don't expand across everywhere because if they did, then people would realize it's just like every other fast food chain or it's not super special. Uh, I always liked Fat Burger a little bit better. Anyway, neither here nor there. (laughs) I was at Fat Burger with my buddy and, you know, we were eating. And then in pops in this guy who just starts acting crazy. And I'm like... Holy fuck. 
this guy's on crack or this guy's on meth or this guy's on something. Uh, And he is just like asking people random questions, just going like I don't know. I don't even, I can't even remember the specifics of it other than I remember this guy is acting really crazy. Uh, And he ends up leaving and I'm like, hey, Flippo, that was Tommy Davidson. (laughs) It's just like, what? And so, yeah, I just remember going into a fat burger with Tommy Davidson acting really fucking drugged out. And I really don't know if he was on anything or if he was just being Tommy Davidson funny. Right. But I am very sure that it was him. Uh, we were, yeah, we lived up in the valley at the time. We were in Sherman Oaks and it was the fat burger off of Ventura Boulevard, if anybody is curious. Uh, <laughs> that's that's where Tommy Davidson likes to hang out, uh, apparently, or and act really crazy. So... <laughs> So, yeah, that's my Tommy Davidson story. It's not much of a good story, but that's it. All right. There's a lot of really good things about the show. One thing I I want to bring up is this show had an awesome theme song. Like a balloon, you see, it's never too late and it's never too soon. Take it from me, it's I to be in living color. And how did you feel knowing prejudice was obsolete? And all mankind danced to the exact beat, and at night it was safe to walk down the street. It was hip, it was fun, you know, like the, the Saturday Night Live one was okay, and you have to compare this one to Saturday Night Live, I just feel like, you know, they're contemporaries, you know, they, this one wanted a bit of that market share mm-hmm. of sketch comedy, but like the In Living Color one, that is one that I cannot say. Hey, every time, even like just talking about it right now, I can't say In Living Color without going, In Living Color. Right. The theme song is awesome. Yeah. I want to bring up a few of the amazing different like, you know, reoccurring sketches or just other sketches that they were on the show. The one that they just had tons of, uh, which was Wanda, the super <laughs> ugly lady. <laughs> right. Played by Jamie Foxx. Played by Jamie Foxx. Uh, you know, there was a couple different things of uh, uh, Fire, Fire Marshal Bill, which is still one of Jim Carrey's like most beloved and re- remembered characters. Right. Was ridiculous. I can't. I can't, it was almost like a Popeye laugh. I don't even, (laughs) it was was awesome. Right. Maybe my favorite character in all of In Living Color was Homie the Clown, (laughs) played by Damon Wayans. I fucking love Homie the Clown. You know, Homie don't play that. I don't think so. (laughs) Homie don't play that. Yes, Homie don't play that. And he would smack. You know, the children in the, you know, in the head with a shoe or whatever it was. It was awesome. I cannot remember the name of the sketch, but they had the uh, two of them would kind of dress up and as overtly gay characters and do movie reviews. And yep. I cannot remember what that was called, but that one made me <laughs> laugh every single time. So that was a fantastic, it was called uh, Men on Film That's or it. Men on Whatever, whatever they're talking right. about. And it was with Blaine and Antoine, which was Damon and David Allen Greer. <laughs> Hated it. Hated it. <laughs> oh, it's so good. And I feel like that that phrase, hated it, still just, you know, like some of those sketches just have long past lived in living color and for good reason. Right. You know, there were some other really, really good sketches. There was uh, the Homeboy Shopping Network, <laughs> uh, which was like kind of like two ghetto guys like trying to sell shit out of like this. <laughs> 
<laughs> rental van or whatever right. shit that was uh, stolen. Jim Carrey did a fantastic Vanilla Ice parody. I'm white and I'm capitalizing on a trend that's currently rising. Mix it with Curly and Larry and Mo. Hey, Maybe never. I become richer with every endeavor. I'm living large and my bank is stupid because I just listen to real rap and stupid. <laughs> There was this Al Sharpton and Lou Farrakhan comedy hour sketch that they had, which was which was a play on uh, who's on first, but it was called Jews on first. And it was it was not if you would say, quote unquote, kosher. Right. (laughs) Jews on first. But it was good fucking fantastic humor so who's on first no jews on first says who the owner whitey whitey's on the team that's right with jews on first the man on second mr child is shortstop and it's a conspiracy at third now wait a minute who's at shortstop mr Charlie. But now, isn't that a conspiracy? No, a conspiracy's at third. So then who's at first? No, Jews on first. Preach on. Preach on this bitch. Say what, my brother? Say what's right, Phil. If you liked the who's on first, um, like the quick repartee between the two people of like right. who was that um i can't even remember who originally did it was that Abbott costello i think so yeah uh but it, you know they do that in a much more <laughs> black centric way and it is just super funny mm-hmm. one thing that i thought was really actually pretty awesome about this show was uh you know they they did some bold choices like that you know they were pretty controversial they did whatever one thing that they did that a lot of people may not realize was this show did a live special episode that was a counter program for the Super Bowl halftime show. Oh. Back in, I think it was 1992. They were like, you know what? The halftime show doesn't get great ratings. Let's try and steal some of that, you know, because obviously Fox was trying to like get some of that, uh, you know, some of those ratings during the Super Bowl, uh, which dominate ratings. But at that time, they really hadn't done huge acts. Now, I believe it was 1991 or 1990 where they brought on New Kids on the Block. Mm -hmm. But actually, that New Kids on the Block halftime show wasn't shown until after the football happened because of, um, I think it was coverage for Desert Storm or some shit like that. And so it wasn't shown live. Uh, And so like that following year in Living Color was like, you know what, let's do a live program. And so they did a men on film, but it was called men on football with Damon Wayans and David Allen Greer um, doing that kind of sketch. And it ended up like drawing over 22 million viewers from the Super Bowl. Oh, wow. It was extremely successful in trying to pull people, you know, because at that time, you know, they didn't have like huge acts. I think it was, it was eh, Gloria Stefan who was pretty big and some other, I think it was maybe a a band or some other shit like that, but it it wasn't huge acts. And so that prompted, you know, like the uh, CBS or the Super Bowl, whoever the hell it was to like only put on a list people. So other shows can't you know, steal their audience. So the very next year they started doing huge acts and they brought in Michael Jackson mm-hmm. and other people to do Super Bowl shit. Cause they, cause uh, in living color was like, yeah, we're going to take some of that pie. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> I think so. I remember, uh, I think I remember that Michael Jackson performance actually. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was a pretty, pretty famous. Cause Jackson I think I remember him. He came out and he literally stood there for what felt like minutes <laughs> and didn't move. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think I remember that too. In rewatching, 
in Living Color, it's a sketch comedy show. Right. You know, it's it's not like certain episodes or there's no storyline to talk about. Right. What did you rewatch in preparation for this? I watched a couple of full episodes and then just ended up finding like a best of Mm -hmm. stuff that I watched that for a little bit. I mean, because, you know, you can, like SNL, you can take out the the skits skits and stuff that you like. Largely, I didn't find them as funny. Okay. Some of the humor, some like some of the ones that were best of, I still found funny. Yeah. In one episode, I think it was from season one, Jim Carrey plays this karate instructor and tells a woman to come after him with a knife and he's going to block it and she ends up stabbing him like two or three times. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> so, one that was kind of funny. Uh, one of them was sort of doing a, an impression of Tracy Chapman. Remember the kind of the folk artist Tracy Chapman? Yeah. Uh, she had that song "Fast Car." Yeah. And so basically, they were just doing that, but she was just singing whatever she saw outside of her neighbor, her apartment <laughs> window. <laughs> okay. Uh, which was it, it was kind of dumb at first, and then it got funnier as it went along. Mm-hmm. And I watched a few of the the you know the Wanda skits and then Fire Marshal Bill and, yeah. and all that stuff, and it it definitely. Uh, like some of that old 80s and early 90s humor doesn't necessarily hold up anymore, but I still enjoyed the process of going back to watch it, and, and I definitely laughed a fair number of times. And the show, I mean, the show is too was too important to not give it its due yeah. for what it was. I remember like just falling over laughing at all of this stuff when I was a kid, so it was, it was the humor for its time, and it worked perfectly. To me, I wouldn't go back and, and watch like full episodes anymore. Maybe just pick out the skits I want to see, but that's about it. Yeah. No, I, I would definitely agree with you there, uh, but also partly because I didn't end up watching full episodes. I just went straight to YouTube and like, <laughs> right. did best of In Living Color skits, and I watched those, and honestly, I had a very good time, and I think that is probably how people should approach this show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it is not a show that fits probably culturally anymore Right. with a lot of the jokes they do. But I don't care. I still find it funny. Yeah. You know, I, I did, especially and partly probably because I watched only the best of and I watched the best shit. You know, yes, making fun of a woman for being ugly and looking like a man is probably not something that a lot of, you know, comedies are going to do anymore. But it's fucking funny. And it was funny at the time. And I still find it fairly funny, you know, how it's approached. But like, I'm of the comical mind that ties in very much with. Uh, South Park Mm -hmm. and if we ever end up doing South Park we probably shouldn't because I would just end up talking (laughs) for fucking three hours about it I have the mentality that everything should be made fun of and everything you know is allowed to be made fun of Mm -hmm. I don't fall into the oh my god in this society you can't make fun of whatever you know oh we're all too sensitive for that I'm like bullshit if you don't find it funny turn the channel just change the channel and that's that you know no big deal. We're all a little too goddamn sensitive. Right. And I think in the sensitive time, it's the perfect moment to go back and rewatch In Living Color and realize that, you know what? Good comedy is still fucking good comedy. Just shut up and watch In Living Color, goddammit. <laughs> so, anyway... It's, it's, a, it's a fantastic show. And as you put it, very important. You know, it was good to have, you know, different representation in sketch comedy, which you weren't getting at the time. Go to YouTube, watch all those funny ass skits, the top tier skits. And there's so many, like, I think culturally important 
sketches that people forget about, you know, like the men on film, like Fire Marshal Bill, like Homie the Clown, who's goddamn hilarious, <laughs> like Wanda, whatever. They really did do something for comedy that I think people forget about. So I think it's worth uh, checking it out. It's it's a fantastic show. Yeah, very well put. This episode of the Blast From Our Past podcast is not brought to you by... You've got the longest hair ever! Totally hot, totally cool, totally hair Barbie! Comb it out, add some dip, gel it, scrunch it, now you set. Make it fun, make it now, hair so long, it's totally wild! Totally hair! Totally hot, totally cool, totally hair Barbie! You've got something special! Totally Hair Barbie doll has blonde or brunette hair down to her toes and comes with depth styling gel. Dolls each sold separately. All right, now we're going to do the casting portion of the show. As we mentioned at the top, we are going to be recasting Earth Girls Are Easy using actors of today. Uh, we're going to be doing uh, just kind of a small assortment of characters, just more or less the main ones. We're going to be doing Whiplock, Zebo, Mac, Valerie, Ted, and Candy Pink just for fun. I don't know about you, Adam. I had a little bit of a hard time with this one. Yeah. Uh, some of them maybe a little bit more easier came to me easier than others but overall i'm i'm pretty satisfied with with my choices i would say i am too i had a very busy weekend as we as i was prepping for this episode and so honestly i had to throw together this casting 10 to 15 minutes before <laughs> we were recording and <laughs> typically i like to do my research i like to like really look through a bunch of people and stuff like that and kind of like compare and contrast who i like to who i don't this time i was just like fuck i got to get a cast i got to <laughs> do it now but the cast that i put together I'm really happy with. Okay. So, uh, you know, I, honestly, I think they would make a kick-ass Earth Girls Are Easy uh, movie. Okay. All right. Well, let's start with uh, Candy Pink, who is Valerie's friend um, mm-hmm. and obviously does a little bit of singing. So, yep. Adam, why don't you start us off? Yeah, so as you mentioned, you know, this is a fairly heavily musical part. You're going to be singing. Uh, you have to, and I'm going to keep it pretty similar to how the movie had it. I want you to still kind of be able to play a ditz to to kind of have that Valley kind of esque style, you know, to be a fake little blonde, to be a blonde. Yeah. 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 Uh, That's, I know. I love that song. Okay. Uh, Anyway, I thought this actress slash singer could totally do it. And I think, you know, she, even though she, she, I don't know, fairly controversial or she's not known for being super funny, but eh, she's not bad. Um, She's pretty out there, and I think she would be a pretty damn good candy pink. I went with Miley Cyrus as my candy pink. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. She can sing. Uh, I think she would be kind of, you know, she'd definitely be in your face, but I think she could obviously play off like the dumb blonde thing pretty well, too. Okay. Uh, Interestingly enough, uh, I went with a singer who also acts. Mm -hmm. Did not go with Miley Cyrus. Although okay. I, I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of surprised at how much I actually kind of like that choice. Nice, okay. But however, my uh, singer is also a little controversial. Uh, although that all of their acting choices, uh, I would not qualify as comedy. I have no idea if she really can kind of pull this kind of comedy off. But she's a pretty good actress. I'd like to think she can. I actually went with Lady Gaga. 
She made my short list as well. Okay. I had it down between Lady Gaga and Miley Cyrus, and I end up with Miley Cyrus. But yeah, I think Lady Gaga is a good choice too. Yeah, I like them both. Okay. She can act, obviously, um, but she can obviously can very, very well sing. Uh, so no, that's a good call. Okay, good call. Apparently, and I forgot to make, bring this up, apparently uh, uh, Britney Spears and Iggy Azalea did a video together for a song I cannot remember the name of. The entire premise of the video was based on this movie. Really? Yeah, apparently, I don't know if, if both of them enjoyed it or Britney Spears loved it or something like that, but like they they based the song and the video on this movie. More influential than we thought, I guess. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, so let's move on to Ted, uh, Dr. Love himself. (laughs) Dr. Love. This was the last one I cast. I didn't pick any particular big actor for this because I didn't think it was really needed, but I went with a actor who I think could uh, pull this role off. Probably not anyone you're familiar with. I actually went with an actor named Jonathan Del Arco. I realized I just kind of stepped in Without asking yours first, yeah. but that's <laughs> it doesn't matter. too late now. Jonathan Del Arco, you're right. I've not seen him in anything. Tell me about him, John. He was in The Closer for about five years, which was that uh, show on TNT with Keir Sedwick. I know him best as a character named Hugh from Star Trek Next Generation. He showed up on a couple episodes, and supposedly he's going to be showing up in the new Picard series. Oh, yeah. I, I am not going to lie. I'm not a huge Star Trek guy. I know. You're a bigger Star Trek guy than I am. But I love that they are doing a Picard series. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Anyway, uh, I thought he he kind of had the right look. He could play kind of like skeezy Dr. Ted. So that's who I went with. Yeah. No, I think he could do fine. I'm not head over heels for your choice, but I also don't dislike it. So right. I'm cool with that. Okay. For my Ted, I wanted somebody who, you know, you have to be able to handle comedy, but you have to be, you know, you kind of play a... Pretty not not deadpan, but kind of like kind of like the straight guy a little bit as well. And this actor, I think he can definitely he's done comedies before because I've seen him in uh, uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, so he's definitely funny in that. But he also can play pretty deadpan because in his movie of Superman Returns, he's a pretty deadpan Superman. Uh, I went with Brandon Ralph as my Ted. I think he would be a pretty damn good Ted. He's good looking. Yeah. I think he can play an actor, but he can also can be a supporting comedic role oh, as well. Okay. I don't know how I feel about that one. I don't hate it. Okay. I just, I'm just kind of underwhelmed by it, but I'm sure you were with mine as well. So <laughs> it's kind of an underwhelming role. It really is. It's not one that's going to blow our tops. Right. You know, I'm not going to fight about uh, the Ted role. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, so, all right. Yeah. Two perfectly decent Ted's. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go with that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, uh, let's save Mac and Valerie for the end. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead and do Whiplock. And I'd like to hear your Whiplock first. Uh, so Whiplock was done by Jim Carrey in the original film. You know, you got to be able to, you, you can't be Jim Carrey. And right. Granted, Jim Carrey even wasn't super Jim Carrey in this movie. Right. You know, he wasn't what we know and became, you know, that we learned to love through the years. You know, this was, this was a very just kind of like regular comedic actor 
role, mm-hmm. honestly. But I wanted somebody who is a very good comedic actor, somebody who I think, you know, could do some silly kind of sounds if uh, needed to, similar to how Jim Carrey had to do his Whiplock. I think this guy is hilarious. You know him best from Silicon Valley and the Deadpool movies. Uh, I went with TJ Miller as my Whiplock. Interesting. Uh, you know what? I think I, I did think about TJ Miller. I did think about him, but ultimately I, I just I just kind of dismissed him. But that's not a bad choice. Okay, cool. He's a funny guy. He's kind of goofy, so I can see him doing that sort of thing. Yeah. I don't know. For me, I, I have a hard time seeing him in, in makeup, but that's, <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's kind of hard. That's going to be for, to have like the full furry kind of alien makeup with anybody, that's going to be fairly difficult to see. Right. Okay. So I went with... I kind of had the same process as you did. I I wanted somebody who somebody who could be silly, you know, maybe do some kind of you know noises and sounds and stuff like that. So I went with someone who is an actor, but he's definitely more known for being a director. I can see the wheels turning in your head, like you're trying to figure out who this is. An actor, but mostly a director who can make silly noises. Well, he's silly. Tarantino? No, I went with Taika Waititi. Oh, yes. And he's a good voice actor. Oh, I like that. I don't like it better than my voice, <laughs> but I still but I still like that. Uh, won't concede uh, defeat, will you? No, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> but Taika Waititi, he is hilarious uh, as the rock guy, whatever the hell his name is. I can't remember. Korg. Korg. Thank you. I'm a little drunk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, he's he is quite funny. That yeah, he, your guy is probably a little bit more a hip choice, a more <laughs> a more now choice, if you will. Okay. Than T.J. Miller, but yeah, 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 that's that's a good choice. Good okay. Call. Did you ever see uh, what we do in the shadows? I did not. I've only seen parts of it, but it looks extremely funny, and I need to uh, I need to rent it or something to watch the whole thing. I need to watch it with my wife because it seems like the type of humor that would make her laugh. So, <laughs> okay. Sorry. That just, it, you know, made me think about it. Uh, all right. So let's go ahead and move on to Zebo, who was played by uh, Damon Wayans in the movie uh, and has his little uh, dance-off. So, Adam, yeah. uh, who's going to be doing your dance-off? And is it a pants-off dance-off? Is it... <laughs> In my opinion, it should always be a <laughs> pants off dance off. If I never had to wear pants again, John. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, I went with an actor who I don't know if he can dance. Honestly, I've never seen him dance in any films, but I've also never seen Damon Wayans dance in any film. And honestly, as I mentioned before, I noticed that they had a stunt dancer, so they, right. <laughs> they could do the same for this movie. But I went with a guy who I think is very funny. I want to see him in more movies, period. And I've actually met him before huh. while I, I mean, very brief. I never, I didn't get to know him. Mm-hmm. But I met him while I was watching a UGA game. He was rooting for Auburn because apparently that's either where he's from or who he roots for. His name is Anthony Mackie, and he is the Falcon in MCU. But the dude is funny as hell in those movies. I mean, you know, it's it's he's, in my opinion, going to be the new Will Smith. He's a supporting-ish actor now. Mm-hmm. He is going to move into taking shit over. Right. And I think he would be a fun actor in this ensemble cast and i want anthony mackie as my zebo it's an interesting choice i've actually I've, I've listened to a lot of interviews with anthony mackie i actually find him to be funnier than the characters he plays yeah uh, there you go he's kind of funny in the marvel movies but he's you know more heartfelt and stuff like that but yeah. in person if you listen to his interviews man is funny as hell definitely 
uh, that's it's weird. Uh, it's weird. I don't see him in this kind of role, but I won't begrudge you that choice. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you. You're not loving my choices so far, but you're not hating them, so I'll take it. I'm not hating them. Okay. You you had what? Fifteen minutes to do this? Yeah. <laughs> I threw, hey, I threw it together, but I'm happy with my choice. I think I made a kick-ass cast. You probably you you did. You did. Okay. All right. Well, then who is your Zebo? To be perfectly honest, he's probably a little bit older. Well, he's definitely older than your choice. He's a few years older than me. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that doesn't mean anything in Hollywood anymore. Yeah. Make young people look old. Make old people look young. Yeah. Exactly. But hell, I mean, they did for for Captain America. They made Sam Jackson, who's like 179 years old. They made him look like he was like 28. So you mean Captain cool. Marvel? What I say, Captain America. Oh yeah, in Captain in the Captain Marvel movie. Okay. Yes, they made Sam Jackson. Yes, you, you knew what I meant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I did want somebody who could dance, and I think this guy is a pretty fantastic dancer. He's also funny as hell, and we're actually going to be talking about him in an episode coming up a few weeks down the line. I went with Donald Faison. Oh, yeah. He's a little bit older, but like you know what, John Black don't crack. Uh, and I think he could still look just as young as, and also with makeup or whatever is needed and he can dance and he's funny as shit. Yeah. I approve. I approve of that choice. Okay. I I actually, I saw, I didn't meet him, but I saw him eating at a restaurant that I was eating at at the same time as well. Oh, well, that's what happens when you live LA, live in LA. I was eating at the restaurant called uh, the griddle and he was there with, uh, one or two of his sons and, uh, and he was having some breakfast and I was like, Oh, Hey. That's Donald Faison. Cool. <laughs> and that, and that's my Donald Faison story. <laughs> there you go. Okay. All right. So now we're kind of into our, our main two, uh, Mac and Valerie. Which would you rather do first? Would you rather do Mac first or Valerie first? Hmm. Let's do Mac. We've done the last couple aliens. Let's keep on the alien train and then we'll finish with Valerie, who is really the star of the, of the movie. Right. That's fair. Uh, all right. So who is your Mac? All right. So my Mac, you got to go with in my opinion, someone who looks good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you gotta you gotta equal that gold bloom perfection. And you know, I tried to run through a couple different people, but ultimately, and you know, maybe it's the problem because he works very well with Anthony Mackie, but also, you know, he looks very good and he has been in some comedies before. Actually, he's also was in the comedy Scott Pilgrim versus the world with Brandon Ralph, quote unquote my who is my Ted. I went with Chris Evans as my Mac. He is a star. He looks damn good. He can do comedy. He's my Mac. You went with uh, America's ass, huh? America's ass, exactly. Uh, Yeah, actually, I can kind of see that. I can okay. see that. You can see that America's ass? I can see America's ass, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I want to like it. I'm still not sure. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just kind of in a weird mood today. I'm not, it's, it's hard Come to say. Come on, John. I'm not, like I'm not trying like my to cast. be- I'm not trying to be combative about it. I just, I don't know. I'm having a hard time like seeing even my cast because, you know, I okay. I just picture <laughs> the original. So I'm having a hard time with yeah. that. Yeah, all right. So interestingly enough, uh, I actually went with a co-star of Chris Evans. Okay. And the reason I say it like that is because you don't actually see him in the movies. You only hear his voice as Rocket. I went with Bradley Cooper. Oh, okay. Now that's a good choice too. That's a good choice too. He he's very gold blue mask, I would say. Yeah, I mean he's obviously he, he can obviously do some comedies. He's been in The Hangover. Yeah. Um, he's been a leading man in several several movies. So yeah. he could he could rock a shirtless reveal. Oh, totally. So and I completely forgot about the fact that he and Lady Gaga were in a movie recently, which I still haven't yeah. seen. <laughs> yes, they were. 
No, fair enough. So they have a chemistry too, even though, yeah, no, no, I'm cool with that. I think I think Bradley Cooper is a good choice. Okay. I don't like it more than mine, but I, <laughs> I, I do think it's a good call. All right. All right. Well, let's see if I can wow you with my Valerie. Probably not, but we'll okay. see. Yeah, yeah. Probably not. How about I'll uh, I'll go ahead and jump in with my Valerie then. Okay. Uh, this actually this was the first person I cast and I don't know why this person came to mind. She just did. She popped into my head as, "Oh, she could play a valley ditzy girl." Mm-hmm. I don't know what this is about her as a person, but definitely her as an actor, she can do a <laughs> lot of things. She's been in comedies, she's been in serious roles. I may have cast her once before, but I don't care cuz I think she works really well with this. I went with Elizabeth Banks. Ah, okay. Interesting. Who also worked with Donald Faison on Scrubs? Yes. <laughs> yeah, you're you're interweaving everybody here, there, John. Ah, interesting. Uh, okay. I wasn't expecting Elizabeth Banks. Okay. Who were you expecting? And I don't <laughs> think I don't think I like that casting. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> Whatever. I don't know. She's fine. She's fine as an actress, and she's funny enough. But I I don't know. I don't. I don't. Need, I don't want Elizabeth Banks to lead like lead a character anymore. To like lead a movie anymore. I don't know anymore. Any? Well, I mean, no, I don't think she ever has. I don't know. What do you have against her? I know. I. I don't dislike Elizabeth, <laughs> Elizabeth Banks. I just don't know if she's. She's not. She's not top shelf. <laughs> all right. She's mid shelf and she's good. And, and I'm just like, when it comes to comedic and strong actresses, she's mid shelf. She's good. She's not top shelf like my Valerie. My Valerie is top shelf. Ah. All right. And I'm speaking in alcohol euphemisms because I'm a little <laughs> drunk, as I mentioned. All right. I had some whiskey. I'm feeling good. My actress is top shelf because I think she is probably one of the, the best actresses today. Uh, she is fantastic dramatic she's also fantastic comedic she can also sing because valerie does have her own song granted in this movie that was definitely not gina davis singing that was <laughs> some other singing voice but i think this person could do it she's funny as hell i think she would be a great valerie i went with emma stone as my valerie oh i don't like that at all fuck you i don't like that <laughs> how at do you all? not like that it's a perfect it's a great casting no it's better than elizabeth banks no, I don't see the comparison. Oh, uh, uh, no, you're you're so wrong. No, no, no. And no, really. Like, I've got... Okay, I'm going to run through it. Elizabeth Banks, boom. And then her Mac is Chris Evans, boom, who has also Anthony Mackie and TJ Miller. And then uh, Candy Pink is Miley Cyrus. And then the Ted is Brandon Ralph. That's a great casting. I, I don't know. I'm still... I don't know. What, what, do, you, what do you want uh, from me? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's it's weird. It's not that I hate, I don't. It's not that I dislike Emma Stone. I just don't like most of the movies she makes. So it puts a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth. What I thought of most of when I was doing this casting, I thought, uh, have you seen Easy A? No, I've not seen Easy A. Okay, I think check that out. I think that fits out really well with this movie. Okay, that's it. But anyway, I, Emma Stone's a great choice, and I know that. And 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 that was that. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm disappointed that you didn't just like drop everything and be like, God damn, Adam, you win. You win everything at that casting. You're always disappointed when I don't just drop everything and be like, that's an amazing cast. (laughs) Because I think I fucking graded everything. (laughs) All right. That is our recasting of Earth Girls Are Easy. 
Please join us next time for another Top 10 episode. We stay on the sketch comedy train and do our Top 10 SNL cast members before the year 2000. If you have any suggestions for movies or TV shows from your childhood, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. Hey, this is Brent. And I'm Eric. And we are part of the Friday Five Podcast. Yes, sir. We cover everything from the 80s to today. We absolutely do. You can find us every other Friday on any of your favorite podcasting platforms. Like any. iTunes? Like Stitcher. Oh, man. This Maybe a little Spotify. Hey, and also check us out on Instagram. Absolutely. So come hang out. I think you'll have a lot of fun, and we will see you there. Yeah, bring your Proton Pack and your Ecto Cooler. And maybe some McNugget Buddies.